Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody, the podcast where we talk with people behind the top nonprofit signature fundraisers and galas and showcase how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli, and today I'm excited to have two very special guests, Tina Faust and Tama Linquist, and they are the co-chairs of a wonderful um, event in Houston that really kicks off the fall gala season in Houston called the Fierce and Fabulous Soiree for the Houston Pet Set. Um, the reason that I had Tama and Tina on today is they are they are champions for this cause and they have been chairing this gala, co-chairing it together for over a decade and we'll dive a little bit more into that with them. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about, you know, making sure that you're sustaining momentum with your event for years on end to make sure that it's a must tend to attend event. And this event in particular is one I always hear people talking about, around, not just in Houston, but around the state of Texas. So I'm so excited to have Tina and Tama on today. Tina, Tama, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Rob. So honored to be here. Thank you for including us. Absolutely. Love being Absolutely. here. Love, love your podcast. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We love what you all do with the Houston Pet Set. And, you know, that that's a perfect segue into the first question. So, Tina, tell us a little bit about what the mission of the Houston Pet Set is. Um, great question. The Pet Set was start, Houston Pet Set was started um, almost 20 years ago by a group of attorneys that wanted to help animals but didn't want to necessarily get into rescue. So the mission started out as strictly as a fundraiser, thus the soiree. They created this soiree and um, wanted to raise funds for other animal nonprofits that are in the trenches doing the really, what we say, heartbreaking and backbreaking work of animal rescue and protection every day. Since um, they started in and over time since Tam and I have jumped in, we've also been very focused on solving Houston's animal crisis. And so um, our mission is really one, we, we, we're looking at building capacity with groups that are doing really important work to ultimately solve the problem of stray animals and animal cruelty in Texas, in Houston and Texas and beyond. That's great. And, you know, what I love about that is, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about this more later on, but I'm really glad that you brought up that you all work with other nonprofits. And, you know, there's a segment of our audience that's more business focused. So I always like to remind people that, you know, in, in the nonprofit space, just because there's Houston Pet Set and there may be another animal nonprofit, you're not rivals in any way, shape or form. You really work together because to solve something, you know, like stray animals in Houston, I believe is what the fourth or fifth largest metropolitan area in the United States. It is something that no one organization is going to be able to do on its own. And it really will. It really does require a team effort. It absolutely. It absolutely does, Rob. You have to work together in order to create the impact that you want to to solve this problem. So Houston Pet Set, just in its makeup of raising funds for other animal nonprofits, we're already collaborating. We're already trying to support those other animal nonprofits that are working so hard, as Tina said, in the trenches every day. So what we have added to our mission is to not only raise funds for them, but to also jump in with some of the impact areas like spay and neuter, transport, all of those areas and work together with them um, to create greater efficiencies and increase our impact in the community. So 
for sure, we have always had that as part of our mission to work together, to be a convener, to work with those who are um, doing the best and most efficient work and to, and to increase everything that they're doing to um, save more animals. That's incredible. Now, you know, um, let, let's jump into that a little bit more just in terms of how you all work with other nonprofits, because I think um, some people, and especially because, you know, there's large nonprofits and there's small nonprofits. So someone who has a smaller one, the, the sheer thought of how to collaborate with somebody, another nonprofit may feel overwhelming. You know, what, what's something that you all do that that's re relatively, I don't want to say simple, but is something that's kind of a, you know, something that would be easy for the average person to grasp in terms of how you partner with another animal nonprofit in Houston? I, uh, breaking it down to something really simple, it's part of it is just communication. Um, we do what we call a gifting event every fall. So after the soiree, when we raise funds for the other um, animal charities, we then have an event where we announce their names. Everybody that's applied for a grant and is receiving a grant by the end of the year, we bring them together and put them in one room and we announce their names. And it's not something that happens a lot where you get 70 plus animal welfare groups all under the same roof and you have them cheer for each other because we read out every name, even though it takes 10 or 15 minutes, we want them to cheer for each other. It naturally builds a camaraderie. And we don't think that um, this is a zero sum game. We think there are enough resources out there for everybody. So to answer your question, I think I think communication is the the number one thing that you can do. If you don't talk with other nonprofits, you don't know what's going on. And I think that once you start talking with them, you realize you have more in common than you don't. And so communication is the key to collaboration. Absolutely. And if I could yeah. if I could jump in, I just want to say it's as simple as wow. And we'll notice, oh, somebody's doing some great work in this part of town. Our mobile unit is next to this part of town. Let's call them and see what they're doing. And we find out, oh, they're doing door hanging. You know, they're doing door knocking and talking to the community about um good pet guardianship and the new laws. You know, I'm making this up. This is what this organization is doing. Well, let's ask them if they can if they can invite the community where they're working to come to our mobile unit. And that increases the traffic at our mobile unit. So it's, as Tina said, it's just calling them up and saying, hey, what are you doing? Well, we're doing this. Well, is there any overlap? Does it work to, well, it might not work right now, so let's stay in touch. But as Tina said, it's just a base, most of the time, it's just basic conversations and staying in touch with those those partners out there. Well, Tama, I love how you explain that because really what 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 it almost feels like is that it's almost like a network and it's almost like a form of networking. And especially when you're in a, you know, a, a city of seven million people, I mean, Houston's a really large metropolitan city. It is going to require a network. And, you know, to piggyback on what Tina said, communication is the way and the bridge to get into any network. And then Tama talking about how, you know, you just got a good networker always knows how to connect the dots and not being able to be, you know, not being shy and going over to somebody, even when they're there and saying, hey, I do this. And I think we could complement each other to really help solve this, this issue that we all have in common, that we're all on the same team to try to help mitigate and or end. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just just picking up the phone or sometimes an email or text. Hey, how's it going over there? You're doing great work. Um, if there's ever a chance to work together, let us know. And I, I think that has that little simple piece has opened more doors for Houston Pet Set than anything. 
Absolutely. Now, Tina, um, and this is a question for both of you, but I'll start with Tina on this one. And you had mentioned, you know, initially the organization started with a group of attorneys. And I, I'd like to know with each of you, you know, how did each of you get involved with this organization? And, you know, and, and more importantly, what's kept you involved with it for so many years? Well, I, I was involved in animal welfare, um, I think back in 2002. Um, so I had worked with some other groups and organizations and someone from PetSet had reached out and um, talked to Tam and me, invited us to a couple of board meetings, asked if we would like to be a part of it. And um, we said, yes, we would love to. At that time, we were running um, or started an adoption center in Highland Village and Houston Pet Set um, supported that that effort, and so um, once we got on the board and understood how important it was to support all these rescue groups, very grassroots organizations that are really doing the lion's share of the work in Houston. Um, just a quick trivia piece: um, our county and our our um, city shelters spend about nineteen million dollars a year on animal welfare. The combined budgets of the groups that we fund is somewhere around 67 million a year. So the, the nonprofits are doing far more than the city and the county. Once we saw that, we said, yeah, this is this is the group where we need to continue to build capacity because it has the ability as a collaborator to be a problem solver. And so in 2012, when um, there was no one to take over the presidency, Tam and I jumped in and and um, we've we've been here ever since. <laughs> blessed I, to do it and blessed to do it. Well, I love that, but I love that you were involved with it. So, I mean, you've really been involved with the organization, both of you in one way, shape or form for 20 years. So, you, you know, you gradually started, you were, you know, you were a recipient and a beneficiary initially, went to some board meetings, and you really got an understanding and a feel of the organization, you know, before you, you know, before you came, you know, fully involved. Um, Tama, you know, what, what, you know, tell us a little bit about your path and your journey and kind of how you, you know, how you enjoyed your journey with, you know, the last couple of decades being involved with this organization. As Tina said, we were invited to be on the board and we loved what they were doing and um, supported that. And we continued that mission by by co-chairing the uh, soiree for quite a few years. And in doing so, Tina and I realized that the problem was getting worse and not better. As much as we were putting into this, the private and nonprofit sector was putting into this, things were getting worse on the street. And so we pivoted um, in around um, 2012, 2013, and said, we're no longer able to keep up with the number of stray animals on the street, even with 200 plus non registered nonprofit animals working on this. With the tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that had gone into it, the problem was getting worse and not better. And we said, well, you're sort of pro problem solvers by nature, let's solve this. It's you could put a man on the moon. We've done bigger things. Let's just work on this and solve it. And so that's when we sort of added the second component to Houston Pet Set. And we realized that we always have to raise those funds because we always have to support those nonprofits doing that really difficult work. But on top of that, in 2012, 2013, we pivoted and said, let's collect data. Let's find out what the problem is. And that way we can solve it. So that second component to Houston Pet Set um, has been a, what has grown us 
to where we are today, but we've always kept the, the soiree and we'll always do some sort of soiree because we know that Houston's very philanthropic and the social scene is very based on the philanthropy here and the philanthropists. And so our, our event is very fun and we'll always do something like that to stay very relevant in a city that's so generous. Absolutely. The generosity of Houston. Every time I go there, I'm always blown away by one, how friendly everyone is. I mean, and I, you know, my husband had gone to Gallus in Houston for seven or eight, nine years before I went to my first one in Houston. And the very from the very first one I ever went to, people were just extremely welcoming. And the welcoming nature of Houston is just the heart that it has, you know, and I even noticed it when I first moved here in, to Texas in 2004, when right after Katrina, Houston really was like an epicenter of taking in so many people from New Orleans. So the heart of Houston is just something that, you know, I am always grateful for. And, you know, you know, as you know, as now an honorary Texan, not a native Texan, but an honorary Texan. So it, it's wonderful that you brought that up. And one thing that is so clear when you both talk is you both are so incredibly, not only well-spoken, but you're both extremely passionate about this organization. So there are, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the social scene is the philanthropic scene. So there's lots of causes that you could support. What makes the two of you so passionate about PetSet in particular? Well, I think because it, we're so passionate about animals and, um, you know, from the time we were little girls, we've loved, loved, loved animals, especially dogs. I think our hearts are really with dogs. And when we moved, when I moved here from Minnesota in 1996, I was shocked at the number of animals that I saw dogs, stray dogs on the streets. And I remember sitting alongside the road waiting for animal control to show up and nobody ever showed up. And it, it took a few years for it to set in. I thought that I was just lucky in finding them, but it took a few years for me to realize that it's different in Texas than it is in Northern states. Um, how we treat animals is different. And uh, I think once you see that kind of suffering, once you see um, that animals are, are not respected and revered the way they should be, you want to change it. And once, once we really dove into it, I really dove into it. Um, as we said, as we say often, I couldn't look back, you know, I couldn't, you can't turn, turn away from it. And so, especially when, as Tama said earlier, we're problem solvers by nature. That's so, incredible. It, now, Tama, what about you? What makes you so passionate about this organization? that deep love for animals that we were born with. We weren't born into a family that was rescuing or anything like that. I don't think we inherited it, but we loved animals from the beginning. Um, and so as Tina said, when you're, when you come here and you see the suffering, you can't not help. Um, we, and, and we see it every day and we've seen some horrible things just like the rescuers have, but we have so much motivation from those horrible images and the images we see every day and and it's it's something that we can do to give back to the world and make it a better place we know it's it's a solvable problem and it's something houston can be proud of someday is how they treat their animals and and that's our mission that's wonderful and i i want to jump back to a comment tina made just a moment ago and that is is that um you know you all are not texas natives either 
what is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is moving into who's moved moves to a new city how what's one thing that they could do to get involved with their community like what's the first step that some of them should take or someone should take do you mean with regard to animals or just generally just peer you know just in general whatever that cause and that passion is so if someone is passionate about let's say you know um the performing arts the way you're passionate about pets what is a way that you know you would recommend that they get involved? Oh, just just dip your toe in the water. If you love the arts, start attending the arts. Find people that are involved in organizations that resonate with you. And it might take a long time. It took me a long time to figure out where where I wanted to land and and you know how I wanted to be useful. Um, but it really does help to explore a lot of the organizations that are out there. As Tama said earlier, there's so many incredible, great causes in Houston and around Houston that it wouldn't be difficult to find um, a nonprofit or a, um, a movement that um, people could get involved with. Absolutely. And Tama, um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think everybody's sort of born with an aptitude or a desire in a certain vein you know it could be the arts it could be you know music performing arts it could be animals children the elderly vets there are so many great causes out there and so I, it, that's a great place to start what speaks to you you know when you see something what moves you is it is it animals is it the elderly is it um it you know is it the art and and you see the value that they bring to schools and to children and to the lives of others and then as Tina said just sort of get involved in that dip your toe in um, call somebody and say what are you doing in this in this arena and is there any way that I can help I, I'm sure as as a as the leader of a nonprofit we love people like that we're like yeah please come on we you know you're always looking for for more help so expect to be welcomed too. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's a good segue now to talk about, you know, your passion and your cause and how you get involved. And that is through the Fierce and Fabulous Soiree. So I got to tell you, I have nothing but the most, because basically I've been doing, you know, nonprofit coverage since about the time you started co-chairing this event. So I know the, and I know, and I have seen, you know, and had conversations with Jen and seen in action with you two, just how hard you work and what a labor of love it is for each of you to, you know, to chair, because to chair something two or three years in a row, people are like, wow, to do that for a dozen years is really just, you know, it's just, you know, I just have nothing but admiration and respect for both of you with that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you keep something successful for that long of a period of time to, you know, cause the way that you raise money in 2012 is not the way you raise money in 2023. It's a great question. You know, I feel like we've been blessed over the years. We've had great teams that work with us. We've always had interesting and good co-chairs and um, it helps to um, stay visible in the community. That's part of why we do this, not just to raise funds, but to raise awareness about this cause. And we've always said, let's just, let's make it a fun party. Who doesn't love a really fun party? And our, I feel like our event is somewhat emotional. You come and it's a great, you know, kickoff. The, the cocktail party beforehand is great. We've got good music. We've got good auction items. We have fun people. And then, and then we take you a little bit on a journey throughout the night and we we 
We show you what the city streets look like in Houston. We show you suffering animals, but then we bring it back. We say there's hope. It doesn't have to be, um, it, it's not hopeless. There is hope and you can be a part of this um, this hope and a part of this um, solution. So I think making people feel like they're a part of something important is, is good too. I mean, Tamma probably can add a lot to that. Yeah, Tamma, I would love to hear your thoughts. Rob, could you repeat the question? Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the question basically is, you know, how how has the way that you've engaged over the years in the last 12 years, because the way that you would have chaired this event in 2012 is not necessarily the way that you would be chairing it today in 2023. You know, Absolutely. and how do you keep coming back year after year with the same amount of passion and energy that you do every single year from, you know, what I've seen of you know, with both of you with this event over the years? Yeah, I think it's very heart driven for us. This event is very heart driven, but it has changed. Our hearts have not changed. We want to do this event. We want to support those rescue groups. We'll always want to do that. But as far as the event goes, you sort of do have to grow with the times. You know, we've had to um, have events where they were virtual because of COVID. You look at what is the city, what's the movement in the city right now? Who are your leaders? What do they respond to? Um, do they want to hear anecdotes or do they want to hear um, data? And so we try to think about that and think about the people in the room are, and give them a little bit of both, you know, if possible. But um, it's really about knowing your audience and sort of taking what you learn from one year and applying it to the next year. We always have a breakdown after the event and what things did we do really, really well and what things can we do better next year? And we always try to improve just a little bit in each and one of those areas. And we're always looking for new partners too. But as you said before, the network is the most important thing that Houston Pet Set has grown over the years. It's the network with our partners. It's the network with with uh, an event planner, which we hired for the first time this year. It's, um, it's networking all the time and bringing the right people, the people who work like you, the people who think like you, the people who have passion like you into events and, and growing them sort of in that organic fashion. Absolutely. And one way that the two of you do that, I think so well, and to me, it's incredibly gracious because I, you know, around Texas, I'll see events where it's the same people chairing year after year, but it's the same people. What you two do that I just think is so wonderful is, is that there is almost always a third co-chair that goes in and it really addresses, Tina, what you were saying earlier. It allows you to, you know, evolve and grow with the times and it's giving those fresh perspectives that Tama was talking about too, to allow it to be a better event. So tell us how you think, you know, having that third chair, one, how does it energize you, you two individually? But also, how do you think it brings a different and unique energy to the event, you know, for a particular year? That's great. I, I think a lot of our co-chairs um, have been kind of pseudo friends or supporters of the cause. So we look for somebody that, feel strongly about this and has the passion that we do. And I think that's important. It inspires us. And um, I think also that the co-chairs that we bring on bring new audiences too, which is what we're always looking for as, as a nonprofit that's continually looking, continually looking for new supporters and um, new people to 
um, learn about Houston's animal crisis. It's important for us to bring people that don't necessarily have the same um, database that we do. So it's nice that um, all of the co-chairs that we've brought have always brought new supporters and new donors to the event and kind of a fresh perspective. Well, and that, you know, Tina, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is so important because a, the best galas to me are, there's a mix of familiar faces and then there's, gosh, I just would have never expected to see that person there. And it just, there, there's something about that, especially if there's someone you do know that you wouldn't expect in that room that really kind of disarms you. It lets you have your guard down and it really lets you have a really good time for a great cause. We do have a really diverse um, audience, I think. Don't you, Tama? We feel, I feel like it's it's such an interesting and eclectic mix of people, but they all care about animals and they all love a good party. So it's the perfect combination and it's what has helped us to be successful. And of course, the team that supports us um, behind the scenes is, you know, we couldn't do it without them. So um, hats off to everybody that that's not the face of this, but really is the um, kind of the muscle behind the organization. Absolutely. And um, Tama, you know, what do you think, uh, you know, the, the third chair like this year, how, how do you think it's helping, you know, you know, and this will allow us to kind of talk a little bit more about the event this year, but how do you think that has added, you know, this year's third co-chair has added an additional spin to the event? This year, we actually have two co-chairs and they are, they are animal supporters. They love this cause. And for Tina and me this year, uh, it's really about fun. And this event is fun. So I feel like when you work with a co-chair, you sort of bring whatever energy you form as a team, whether it's two of you, three of you, four of you, five of you, you bring whatever energy you have as a team into your event. And so lots of times it's about it's about the love of the animals. It's about the cause. It's about philanthropy. Um, this year, it feels a little fun. We've got some very fun co-chairs. They're very um, philanthropic, but a little more quietly. But they love this cause. They love a good party. And I feel like we're bringing a lot of that energy with not only the four of us, but our reach into the community, their reach into the community of new supporters, people who don't know about this this issue, they're going to bring their friends and and this fun will really feel um, like a ripple that goes through the event. That's really, that's great. And, you know, it, it is just so important and, and you both really touched on that really well. New energy just makes people want to come back the next year. And that's really mm -hmm. you want you you want those people who weren't there to hear about and be like, not not necessarily, oh gosh, I'm so bummed I missed this, but gosh, I have to attend next year instead. And I think that's you know, I, that's what's so good about your event. And the fact that it's also it's early in September, it kicks off the social season. People are really they haven't seen each other in a while if they've been out of town on summer vacations. That's just, I think that's incredible. And, you know, one thing I do want to talk about within the event that you all do that I think you do really well, and it's really about having people understand what the money they raise goes to, you know, what it goes to. And one thing I like when I was reviewing, you know, the, the overall site was I love your underwriting packages because they give specific tangible examples of what the money provides. So how does that help you all in terms of recruiting those major donors and those major underwriters? 
I think personally, I feel like when you give to a cause, you want to know how it is actually helping. You don't want there to be some black hole that your money goes into and you never really know. So that's why we've we've attached these values to something tangible. So your dollars may fund a transport. They may help and animals, animals get microchips. They may help with um, spay and neuter. And those are all of our impact areas that point to the solution for Houston solving this um, problem. So uh, it just makes sense to us that people know that this is not so that we can have expensive office space. This is so that animals are ultimately being helped. And we've raised more than $4 million and granted almost all of that to animal nonprofits all across the city. So the impact of that, um, we feel, has been significant in terms of animal welfare. That's great. And that it goes to a variety of different things, I think, is really, you know, is really important and really a good thing to kind of showcase and highlight. Um, and, um, Tama, my question for you is, you know, tell us a little bit about, and this is kind of a good leading into that, but tell us what people can expect at this year's Fierce and Fabulous Soiree. Uh, they can expect a great event, high energy, great music, fun cocktail party, great auction items. We'll have silent auction items, most likely a big board, and then some of the best live auction items in the state. Um, we have a wonderful partner in New York and new, new, uh, North Carolina who brings in these great auction items for us. And so you will have all of that. You'll have a lot of fun people. You'll have a lot of love in the room. I feel like our event is very warm, very welcoming. You'll have, um, we'll have celebrities for sure. Last year we had Cole Hauser from Yellowstone. He plays Rip and um, that was a great addition to an already fun event and we will not disappoint with our celebrity guest this year we're waiting to announce um for our own reasons but we're waiting to announce and so the um, excitement is building but you'll also have an event where you know that your money will go to help suffering on the front lines so anybody in that room that night whatever you're giving you're going to know that you're helping make a difference even if you can't bring the animal into your into your house your fund and your fund and your funds um, will will definitely go to to alleviate suffering. That's wonderful. And you know the the thing is, and one some people will often ask me, what is the one thing that compels people to give? And there has to be, to me, that that um, kernel is there has to be an emotional tie in some way. And you know, with animals in particular, very very few human beings have not been touched in some positive way by an animal at some point somewhere along the way in their lives, whether it's a dog, a cat, a ferret, a rattlesnake, like, you know, it's, you know, I mean, snakes are emotional support animals. So, I mean, it's, people are touched by animals. And I think that, you know, and Tina, you were talking about this earlier about how, you know, there is a seriousness in the cause, but it's about fun. And to me, pets really bring joy in a way that very few things do in a universal way. You know, pets just make people happy. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm so excited for this year's event for both of you. And I want to conclude with a question that I'd love for each of you to add. And that is, you know, if someone is looking to helm and chair something and they know that they want to do it because it's so passionate to them like it is for the two of you, what's a piece of advice you would give them for someone who's looking to chair, you know, chair a gala, you know, on an ongoing annual basis? 
Think about what you like at an event. Think about what makes you happy when you've gone to an event, you've attended something and you walk away with either a positive experience, a mixed experience or a negative experience. Use that information to kind of guide you. And it's it's really nuanced. You know, it's all we say it's all in the details and also get super organized. You have to have a tight run of show. <laughs> and you have a good team. <laughs> yeah, first, a, tight, <laughs> a tight run of show is important because if you don't, that could it can make an event go sideways really, really fast. So that is an excellent, excellent piece of advice, Tina. And Tama, what about you? The first thing that came to mind was checklists. <laughs> Just checklists. You've got to think about every detail from we literally walk the room and go from the ground up, you know, uh, what do the tables look like? Chairs, what goes on your table? And um, you have to think about every detail. And and again, it is a lot of organization, but I, I would suggest starting small and growing things um, because it's a lot more than you ever could imagine putting an event together could be. Absolutely. And that's a good note to end on. And I'll add to that, add to what you just said, Tama, but it also can grow your heart and give you more joy than you could ever even possibly dream of. Without a doubt. Every time we're done with our event, we can't wait for the next one because we know we can do it better. It's that that drive that um, it, it's, it's a little bit of insanity, Rob. But every year, <laughs> every year <laughs> for two days, we say we're never doing this again. And then we figure out a way to to make it better. And I think the glow of the evening stays with us for many days. We feel such love and so grateful for everybody in that room that it really fills our hearts up and gives us the energy to do it again for another year. That's incredible. And I can't think of a better a better note for that to end on. So Tama, Tina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you for having us, Rob. We'll see you at the soiree. Oh, I look forward to it. And Houston Pet Sets 2023 Fierce and Fabulous Soiree will be on September 8th, 2023 at the Post Oak Hotel in Houston, Texas. For more information, please visit HoustonPetSet.org. And that will do it for this episode of Fun and Fundraising. I'm your host, Rob Giardinelli, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care. <laughs>